Hi, we're Auction Conservation, and this is the Shoe Room Sessions. Welcome to the most anticipated Shoe Room Session we've ever done. Welcoming the world famous Dan the Fish. Welcome, Dan. Thank you, Richard. Uh, why are you known as Dan the Fish? Well, that's a ridiculous question. And <laughs> one, it's going to all be like this. <laughs> one I knew was coming. Yeah. So the answer is twofold. Mm. So from a historical perspective, I was very lucky and fortunate enough to be, from the age of three, taken fishing regularly by my dad. So you're loving this, I can tell. You know the joke I'm going to do. Keep going. Keep going. So uh, I have the River Seven on my doorstep. So my role when I was young was to get up early, make the sandwiches, get the fishing stuff ready, and then wake my dad up and we'd go fishing. So from a personal perspective, I've been doing that since I was three. But I suppose the other part of that answer is from a sort of more academic background. So when I left school, A-levels, walking down um, New Road at the bottom of North Bromsgrove High School, all I knew that I wanted to do was to have a year off, get a job, spend lots of time with Becky and buy a Peugeot 205 GTI. That's what I did. And you still have both of those things in your life, Becky and the car. I do get in that order, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so at the end of that 12 month period, my dad was getting really frustrated. I was still at home and he said, look, you need to do something. You cannot stay here any longer. I'm bored of fishing with you. So uh, I put a speculative application into Sparshot College, which is like the country's leading uh, center of education for any shout out to Sparshot in the yeah. agricultural field. So I was really lucky to have been there during the halcyon days of Sean Leonard, Mark Badass, George Hyde, Dave Koss. Um, and they've forgotten more than I could ever know. And I had the most amazing four years there. Came away with a degree and have worked in the sector ever since. So it's not quite the boring answer people would expect. It's not about fishing, it's kind of twofold. Um, I, I also, uh, so I would like to take credit for coining the phrase, Dan the Fish. Yeah, it's your fault. It's my fault, yeah. Lots of things are. Um, largely because when we first started working together, I, I had this long-form joke plan of telling people you used to do wet work for the military. Mm -hmm. And that over time, kind of sneak that in and then ultimately reveal it was the fish thing. We never got to that. You just became Dan the Fish anyway. Um, why do I tell people you're called Dan the Fish? When I describe it, what do I say? Because you want to show me off as one of the country's leading experts in restoring rivers. I don't say one of, do I? You don't, but I've worked with some amazing people. Yeah. Um, so from my perspective, I, um, you are the country's leading expert in how rivers interact and work with the environment, and we are so blessed to have you as part of OC. Um, so that's us we beautifully into our OC journey. Mm. Employee number? Employee number one. Number one. Yeah. Uh, can you tell people how you first heard about OC and um, how you come to be here today? Post Sanctus? Yeah, yeah, Post Sanctus, fine, yeah. Okay, so I think... Well, do, do Sanctus first, do, how we started working together at Sanctus. Are we allowed first. to talk about the government? Uh, I mean, not not positively. I could fly over there? Yeah, we worked together at the EA, that's all we need to say. Okay, great. So I'd been there for 10 years. I probably met you in my first week there. Uh, same grade at the time, that that didn't last very long, both, both very senior. Um, it was a training course in Birmingham uh, that coincided with my 30th birthday, I think, and I had some mates coming down that evening, and it was a very dry training course, and I despised it almost as much as you did. I don't remember this training course, but feel free to elaborate on it. It was a project management training course, and this guy was clearly a very confused individual that was giving this course, and you broke him down systematically over a two-day period, which <laughs> he enjoyed, and as a result, he, he might no longer be with us, but 
He's, he, was, he, was a great, he was a great guy. He used, I just remember drawing lots of tattoos because I was yeah, so bored. Yeah, spent two days drawing tattoos. It should have been, not sent us on a terrible training course or at least made it plausibly interesting. Yeah, that, that's very accurate. Yeah. Um, so we had to go around the room and tell everybody else in the room something different and unique uh, about themselves. I can't remember what your... I don't remember what mine was. Mine was that... So uh, this was when Celebrity Jungle of a Christmas Time was massive. Um, and Jimmy White, the famous snooker player, had just gone into the jungle. And my thing was I was the last person to play him before he went into the jungle. That's a claim to fame. Not because I'm a professional snooker player, although I'd love to do that and get away from this. Um, <laughs> Brilliant. I love that line. Um, uh, but I played him before he literally jumped on a plane. It was an exhibition. And that was my thing. And you ignored me for the first day until we got lunch. And you said, so, did you beat him when we were... Eating a, I don't remember this at all. And I said, no, of course I didn't beat it. <laughs> but anyway. Was I um, disappointed? Uh, I mean, he's a professional. Yeah, I know. And I worked at the government. Um, so essentially, uh, we kind of kept in touch during that period. I learned that you had gone on from a, whatever grade it was at the time, on to bigger and better things, bumped into you in West Midlands, uh, at which point I kind of told my entire team, this guy's here. Things are going to happen now. It's going to be fantastic, you know. And all of those things were true, but that meant my my team then thought that we had a fantastic relationship. And, I mean, they were wrong. Uh, yeah, they were. <laughs> until until you came up and announced yourself to my team leader, and probably forty people in subtly, I imagine, subtly and quietly. I, I would have thought so. Yeah, yeah. sleeves rolled up, probably. Um, <laughs> and and you said, "Look, I'm here. I do things very differently. I'm here to help all of you, apart from him." And then my team leader was like, I thought you guys got on. And I said, well, evidently not. Yeah. And then that was the last time I saw you. Excellent. And so like, okay, but I was very happy about. Yeah. Um, six, seven years passed by. And then you dropped me an email or sent me a text. By a Sue, I think. Possibly, yeah. yeah. And um, we met up in Worcester. And I just assumed that it was just a, a legitimate catch-up. And, and I wanted to give you some abuse about something. <laughs> Take the piss at me for something. Yeah. Uh, had a coffee, very pleasant chat, and uh, that was that for maybe a couple of weeks. Um, but you told me that you're working for an amazing company called Sanctus, who was owned by this uh, very amazing but equally crazy guy. Yeah. Who Equally crazy is who? He's probably a split of, I would say, Keith Richards and David Attenborough. Nice, that's a sure really great race show is. Yeah. Uh, but legend, really, really enjoyed my time working with with him uh but ultimately that led to a job offer did there for 17 months um we did a lot in 17 months we tended for 20 projects i think we, like 18 or 20 or something like that okay we, we missed out on one one that okay was three brooks decent i know it hurts right that still really irritates me but that was that was already bought and paid for green business of the year yeah. best place to work amazing company thanked us look them up they're amazing shout out to pete chauvinel it was yeah it's fantastic experience you, everything I asked for, you gave me a more, uh, which made it even more difficult to come away from one of those perks. Yep. I'm, I'm a car guy, so that was difficult. Yep. Um, but essentially, on <laughs> on the we'll morning to that. on the morning that we'd fantastic on the morning that we'd won the largest river restoration project in the UK, which was to essentially deculvert and remove asbestos. Uh, legacy of 1970s mine workings, everything you could possibly... They, they'd concreted the riverbed. Yeah, it was... Yeah, it was hard. It was awful, yeah. Um, and the legacy of that was a, a uniform, canalised, largely destroyed channel, and yeah. we pushed really hard to win that, uh, which we obviously did, and it was only ever going to go that way because our tender return was head and shoulders above everybody else. We had a fantastic team working on that. 
and literally the morning of winning that, you sent me a text. Well, in fact, no, the night before, mm -hmm. you sent me a text, which is your thing, just as I'm normally drifting off to sleep. Um, Part-time. Yeah, part-time. <laughs> Part-time. And um, you said, oh, we need to have a chat in the morning. And I thought, well, I don't think I would. I think I said, do you want to come for breakfast? No, no, no. It was very oh, right. sinister. Yeah, it was very it. sinister. It wasn't, but it tells a better story. And um, I thought, okay, great. Told Becky, my wife. And uh, following morning, did the school run, drove to your house and thought, I wonder if I work for Sanctus anymore. <laughs> that was your opening line, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And your result, your response was, no, I don't think we do anymore. Yeah. Uh, let's have a look at this amazing opportunity. And here we are two and a bit years later. Yeah, a little bit over. Which is legitimately ridiculous. Mm. So, two years, started off me and you hitting the road that uh, June 2nd morning, going to look at a site, which we bought. No, the next day we bought, Liam. Um, so we've done 10 acquisitions, 28,000 acres, one or two miles, sorry about the miles, uh, now 18 people in the amazing team that we have. And That's one too many. Yeah. He was looking at Josh behind the camera there. Sorry, Josh, I think you're great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mics pick up. Thank you, mate. Perfect. Um, Excellent. Um, if you pause for a second, what what stands out? What is there a, is there a thing that makes you most proud of, of that period? Uh, I think the fact that we managed to make an adventure of it. Yes, it's really difficult when the alarm goes off and you get up, but within... Usually with a four on it. Yeah, or three. <laughs> um, but within the small matter of like 12 hours, yeah. we're <laughs> at an estate in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Difficult but road. I think it's the adventures, how we make the most of those, the landscapes we buy, but the relationships we built. So on the way into the, the shoe room, you literally asked me, uh, as is your want, if there's anything I've been doing for the last hour. <laughs> and... Um, I had a conversation, coincidentally enough, with our amazing uh, friend and agent in Aberaeron, a chap yeah. called Reese, um, who's exceptional. The crown prince of Aberaeron. Yeah, he's like... Uh, Don't walk around the town with him, you can't get anywhere. He's like Vito Corleone in uh, Aberaeron. Um, but essentially, 98% market share, just won an amazing award, and yeah. he's just going to keep on killing it. Let's but get you on the shoe room, Reese. That'll be so much fun. <laughs> um we are essentially looking to get hold of another 150 acres to our already amazing land holding in Escarath. So we'll be able to see more of Cardigan Bay and deliver more restoration. Yeah. And that is literally, we're negotiating a 150-acre land acquisition deal, which is relatively, it's tiny in comparison. But we're literally doing that over the phone and via WhatsApp because of that relationship. Relationships that around the country. And it's, um, that's not how other people do things. No. No. A couple of things stand out in my head and one story I want to share that made me uber proud. So when did you go up to Invergeldi? So that's amazing estate in Persia, the gateway to the Highlands, not quite the Highlands, gateway to the Highlands. When did you go up there with your parents and family? Uh, so that was fair half term. Yeah. So um, that's one of the things that sticks out for me because from when we first saw that, you and I went there and it's just, this place is bigger than Exeter in terms of scale, in terms of what we have. And the fact that over that sort of Easter period, you were able to take your folks up and show your dad and your son and mm. what we'd done. I took so much pride from you being able to do that. It made me so happy that you got to do that. That that stands out as a, a massive achievement. Um should also shout out, we got named uh, EDA Team of the Year as well, which is super cool. Yeah. A really, really nice one. Lara and Katie getting to the front of the stage to, to get that through. Yeah, we were just sort of passengers in that. Just get out of the way. Stand, stand back. Totally don't agree. Move. Totally move. agree. Okay. Um, it's not all a piece of cake. I mean, you are famously the only person who's here against his will. Everyone else actively tried to come here. You just wanted breakfast and to just be left alone. Evidently, that's accurate. Yeah, in Worcester. Um, so, um, it's not all easy. 
And it's a lot. Of, how many miles do you think we've travelled together in the last two years? What, the good journey is just you and me? <laughs> Including Josh and others as well. Josh. Yeah. Uh, he's just there. Um, I'm going to say uh, it's six figures now. Yeah. It's completely six figures. Mostly electric. I think Lara told us it's like multiple, like oh, halfway to the moon and back or something, something crazy, lovely statistic. Yeah. Is it around the world? I think it's around the world twice then. A lot of nights away. Yeah. A lot of impact on, on families. When we looked at that sort of year calendar, it was like, three or four away for every two at, at mm. home or something like that what are the bits that you found the hardest about OC so I had a similar situation where I was growing up my dad was away quite a bit and that was difficult but I managed to own that to a certain extent in that I enjoyed being um, told by him that I was in charge the reality was I wasn't my sister was clearly in charge but I just enjoyed having that level of responsibility my kids are of an age now whereby I can say that to George and he appreciates that you know, you don't get to visit 12,000 acres in Perthshire if you don't do everything behind the scenes. And um, that makes those conversations easier. Um, it, I think it's just a question of planning ahead and just having those conversations early. It is difficult, but if you want to achieve those things, I think you have to make those sacrifices. Yeah. We talked earlier in, in another shoot room session about the importance of calendar and planning and things like that. I think that's been the thing that both of us have had to do in terms of massively upping the lack. We are, we will, each week we will talk weeks out in terms of planning, right? Mm. Like we've got a lot coming up soon, a lot of time in Scotland, hopefully acquiring some additional really amazing estates. Um, the, the estates are always a journey. When we go see them and, and encounter them for the first time, is there any site visits where we bought or didn't buy the standout anecdotes that you want to sort of reflect on and share? I think we've talked about it quite a bit, but one of my favourite stories is actually from Invergeldi. It's the first viewing, and I'm sure you're going to remember this the minute I start telling the story. Josh was there. Um, but there was a period at the end of that journey where we'd split off, and you, Phil, and I were having a look at the Invergeldi burn, and Josh had gone in a slightly different direction, taking some amazing photographs as his is want. Um, but you managed to disappear into a bog, so I think... <laughs> That in itself, in itself, isn't funny, you know, Dave. I acknowledge that, um, but I just really enjoyed you instructing the agent to wash the tractor, Steve. <laughs> taken off, and I didn't instruct me. I said I don't know how this dryer works. I would you help you me? holding them like this. The other thing about that story that's great is I had Josh's camera at the time and um, went waist deep into this like muddy puddle type thing. And the first thing I did was arms straight up in the air, so the camera was dry and everything else was wet. Yeah. Forgotten about that one. Uh, on another visit to Scotland to an estate that we mustn't mention, uh, there was a small matter of the elderly gentleman that was showing us around ditching his vehicle in a peat bog at mm. several thousand feet and five hours walk off the hillside? Easily. Yeah. I, what I love about that is blazing hot day. We were the only people with like water, sunscreen with us or anything else. And the gentleman in his deck shoes being like, I'll do it in 45 minutes. Not a problem. I'll nip there and come back. Yeah, that one, that one was that bad an experience. The agent actually bought us lunch. Which is an achievement is for is, that individual. It is, yeah. Shout out to you, know you are out there. Um, love you. Um, so, um, a couple of other exciting bits um, about what we do. Um, recruitment, getting to work with some mm. amazingly talented people. Um, we have got um, an intern program coming up. Yeah. And we've... Um, one of the amazing interns from last year, Esme's coming to work in, in your department. Um, she shouted you out earlier, which was great. And you spent a lot of time with James, another intern, and we've got Abby in the room with us as well now. So looking ahead next year for that next group of people, what are you looking for in an amazing intern and early career professional? 
enthusiasm enthusiasm commitment and just a desire to be better than the norm so they're in this room and we're just so lucky to have them i mean if we can get more of the same that'd be fantastic i mean it was very clear from day one when we met at the land estate who we were going to ask to join the team and i think do you remember the journey from the host it's me and you and abby driving to to lay on yeah do you remember how that journey went yeah yeah you just grilled abby for about 45 minutes <laughs> and she turned to you and you went it's what it's always like. Yeah, 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 yeah. But both knew that we'd have to absolutely hire her at that point. Absolutely. If, you, if you're given the opportunity to dive headfirst into an adventure like oxygen conservation, take it, even if you know it's going to be really hard work. And, and it is really hard work and we have to make difficult decisions. But I think for the people that we've spoken to that decide that they want to take a more comfortable journey in their sort of in the beginning of their employment uh, history, great, do that. I'm sure the public sector is recruiting. I mean, great. Um, I, I wouldn't consider us if that's what you're looking for. No, no, completely agreed. What do you think um, the next, pick a time period, what will we be doing in 12 months, 36, five years, whatever it is, pick a time period that jumps to mind. What's the next evolution of OC? Uh, I think um, five years is the big one. I, okay. I think it'll be international and we'll have achieved it by then. Uh, and we'll just be getting to grips with how the process works uh, up to that point, because I think we've got it. I mean, without wishing to sound arrogant, I think we, I feel like we have it nailed down now. Um, but that's very much, uh, you know, in the United Kingdom, I think we're going to have some challenges abroad. And we talked about that on the way over here. But I think within that five year period, we'll be, we'll have streamlined that process to the point whereby we perform in the way that we do now. There's the different parts of the business that are really exciting and work in different speeds. So we we have got a different approach to acquisition. To the best of my knowledge, we're the only people that is doing a objective, data-led, mm. analytical approach to finding land testing. You know, we've we've seen seventy estates to buy ten more probably, but we've screened hundreds and hundreds in terms of a data perspective. So that funnel is really wide. Narrow it down, get to site, and when we go now, it's probably. One in three will move on because, and we're going to find reasons not to buy it, right? So we went to look at an amazing site in a place that we cannot mention the other day, and it was so clean—a a title, a place, almost to the point of being a little dull, right? It was like this is a slam dunk. This is just an absolute site. I mean, you've got the front seat and the primary position, obviously. It's, As, it's how we roll. Yeah. It's how we roll. Actually, yeah. and me and Joshua in the back just slumming it. Um, okay, so I, I agree with the US, but all the other parts of that business. So, and then the conservation part of it and what we're doing. That comes later and takes such a longer period of time, but it's these different aspects of the business that are running in different paces. So, um, and within our portfolio in the UK at the moment, in the years to come, we've got a huge property side of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it'll be five to 10 years until we see wind farms on our site. We'll be halfway into building the American portfolio or the Canada or the Australia one by the time those wind farms take yeah. flight. And Good nod to Canada, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you need to explain that now. Oh, sorry, Abby. Our amazing, uh, now full-time employee, yeah. Canadian. Yeah, she is. Maple syrup coming back in the autumn. Thank you, Abby. Um, so five years forward, um, you're going to have something. Then. Yeah, I think also as well, and this, this sounds a bit corny, but I think we'll have legitimately broken the system in terms of how we deliver things. So some of my frustrations at the moment around delivering the right thing in the right place is the bureaucracy and the reluctance to change that we come across. And I think it will get to a point in the sector whereby we just can't tolerate that anymore. And we are the organization to be the first to make that change. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? We, we still encounter people, oh, you can't do that, or it's not done that way. And our response is, why not? And we will. 
We started, um, I remember a Q0 review where we listed 11 things over the past 12 months we'd been told were impossible mm. that we'd subsequently done. Already starting to think about that for next year. And it's going to be more again. Yeah. You know, the, we're going to plant a quarter of a million trees this this winter. When we were told, no, no, planting at scale, you're going to need two years before you can do it. And we're 12 months from having a site and there's those trees going in the ground. Um, already when you go to sites like, like Swinley in Yorkshire, what was the most sheep-wrecked, degraded landscape when we first saw it on that that day? Do you, do you remember that site visit where it was like 40 degrees blazing heat? We were both in board shorts. And... Well, we turned up in a 15-year-old Japanese SUV, we if you remember. Keep it casual. Yeah, very casual. <laughs> um, yeah, sure. <laughs> Shorts. But equally, the agent had offered up um, a teenage work placement student. <laughs> to show as well. So that's how that deal played out. Yeah, it was. But ultimately, we're now in a position whereby there's going to be 65,000 trees in that landscape. Yeah. You know, this is a sign partnership with the Woodland Trust and the Yorkdale's Millennium Trust and what are great organizations that and that's what else I've loved that that you have been absolutely at the forefront of doing. Partnership by default's your line. Mm. I think I love it from a marketing perspective, but the intent I adore and it, and you live it and breathe it, you're always looking for how can we help others be involved in this landscape and landscape recovery on, on Dartmoor as well, just yeah. bringing people in and using us as the keystone to unlock stuff where before trying to find a landowner who was willing and able was a nightmare. And we're that person now. Absolutely. That takes me beautifully onto my final question, Dan. Mm-hmm. What does scaling conservation mean to you? So one of my frustrations in a previous life, and I'm very proud of everything I've delivered over a 20-year conservation period, you would get some funding, you'd attract the partners, you would deliver an amazing project in isolation, and you'd create some very localised environmental restoration benefits, be it Ecological resilience, species reintroduction, dams uh, removed. Dams, well, yeah, precisely. Uh, rivers taken out of culvert um, or daylighted. Yeah, any and all of these amazing and wonderful things. But it was always very localized. And you'd come away and you'd feel an enormous sense of satisfaction. But then you'd get in the car, drive over the bridge, and see another weir downstream that you knew about, but that wasn't allowed to be part of that project. So, scaling conservation is about having that complete management control of an enormous landscape and doing just that, but having a bigger impact. Nice. I love it. Bigger impact. It's coming. In the next 12 months, we're going to do so much more than we've done so far. Watch out. We're coming from our land and we're going to improve it and protect it and help include people and bring them into those landscapes. Dan, I've wanted to do this episode for ages. I am humbled and blessed to this day. You agreed to come be employee number one and I'm so excited about the next five years. Thank you. Uh, That's us from the shoot room. Have a great day.